Hello, this is Mark Almagro, Editor-in-Chief of Portfolio Magazine. This is the Portfolio Podcast presented by YPO, Young Presidents Organization. YPO is the global leadership community of more than 30,000 chief executives in 142 countries who are connected by the shared belief that the world needs better leaders. Today, we have Sudhir Agarwal, founder and CEO of Everrise, a business process outsourcing company. The pandemic has brought with it several unforeseen challenges, from eroded market share to loss of manpower and immediate requirement for digital migration. But business leaders who thrive on pressure have come up with innovative solutions to address them quickly and creatively. Among them is Everrise, a technology-enabled outsourcing firm with expertise in transforming healthcare and technology experiences globally. The company offers clients solutions and technology to scale across markets quickly, enabling high-performing experiences that evolve through product and service lifecycle. Everrise has proven core strengths in health and wellness, financial services, logistics and supply chain, travel and hospitality, media and communications, technology and software, smart energy, smart home, retail, and gaming. Besides diversification and organic growth, Sudhir has led the company through global partnerships, acquisitions, and joint ventures, among them a global partnership with Microsoft, as well as the acquisition of Hyperlab and TrueSource, based in Malaysia and the U.S., respectively. Sudhir, welcome to the Portfolio Podcast. Thank you, Mark. Uh, you know, I've been in the outsourcing world for the last 25 years. Like, after my MBA, I, you know, got out and I all, but I wanted to be a uh, management consultant because mm. in the 90s, that was the hot thing to do. Uh, I, I did my MBA from the UK, but I was very clear I wanted to go back to India because India was opening up. And I wanted to be a part of that change. Mm. Uh, uh, I, I met, who's a very dear friend of mine now. One thing I'm extremely passionate about is my work. Thing I'm also extremely passionate about is golf. And everything in my life have gone hand in hand. And I was playing around with him. And that's when I asked him these two offers, which one should I take? And he said, you know what? Don't take either of this. Come join me. He said, you know, I'm going to create a unique industry, which is the world of outsourcing. And no one's ever done it before. Exactly. And so it's, it, it was a pioneering effort. I believed in him. And I followed him. And this was in GE, which was the most admired company at that time under Jack Welch. Ah, and okay. that's when I started my career. I was just, I was just amazed with this person's passion mm. and what he wanted to do. Outsourcing did not exist in the '90s. I mean, it was a very alien concept. It was there with a few companies, but it was nothing what you see today in terms of the world. Right? I'll fast forward to 2015, when again a bunch of my friends, uh, who then became my investors, uh, uh, all my golf buddies, believe it or not. Uh, uh, told me, uh, you know what, it's about time you start your own company. So golf is pivotal in this story. Because golf is also very important because when you spend time on the golf course with someone, you can't fake yourself. Uh, over a lunch, over a coffee, when you spend five hours or six hours and you do that week after week. Your true colors will your, show. Your, your true colors will show at some point. Uh, and, and, you know, they said, you know what, go uh, do something on your own. And, and and I was like, 
I think that's great. But I want to do something different. I don't want to do something that's already there. Because mm. that's what I learned from the world of GE, that you know, value is created when you look ahead of the curve and you do something different. So I said, look, give me some time. Let me think about it. Okay? And, and those days I used to live in India. Mm. Uh, and I remember I was on a, well, it was, they call it the red-eye flight because it's a long flight, but it leaves at night from Delhi and you land in New York at like 5.30 in the morning. And when you went to the immigration counter, there was one golden rule that when the immigration officer asked you, what do you do? You would never use the word outsourcing. You would say, I'm in tech or I'm in technology, mm -hmm. but you know, I must have been groggy, jet lagged. So you said? I said the not <laughs> word to be used, which was the, outsourcing. The taboo word. <laughs> he unleashed at me. He said, you are the one who takes away our jobs. And you know, it got me thinking. I'm like, you know what? It, that's not the case. I said, we actually do exactly the opposite. We create jobs. And we create jobs in the right markets which can deliver the right customer experience in the world. And that's what gave me the idea that I wanted to create the best company in the world that delivers superior customer experience for our clients when we service the end client. Right? And I'll give you a small example. You know, we all are <coughs> very proud to be in this beautiful uh, country, Singapore. Right? And the other thing I'm extremely proud of is of our, uh, of our national carrier, Singapore Airlines. At the end of the day, the planes are all the same. It's the A380, the A350, the 777, the 737, mm. 78, the list goes on. What is the difference? There's only one difference. It's service. It's the I, customer I experience. And that is the industry that I focus on. So when you made that list of all the industries, it doesn't matter. I will work with partners who want their customers to experience superior customer experience because I think that's what makes a difference of creating a very powerful brand. This podcast series is a collaboration between Portfolio and Young Presidents Organization, or YPO a global leadership community of chief executives which counts more than 30,000 members from 142 countries. For over 70 years, YPO built a trusted community where chief executives connect to solve both personal and professional problems together. The world needs better leaders. Become one at YPO. When the pandemic hit, I was actually in New York with my team from here. And, and you know, we'd gone for a bunch of meetings. You know, the, luckily for us being in Singapore, we were kind of prepared right from January that it's coming, start wearing masks, you know, all of that stuff. That's but That's but none of them existed in, 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 the, in, in the West, in New yeah. York. And, and I remember I was in a really big uh, uh, private equity company's office, had gone for a meeting. And, and in the cafeteria, we saw 1,500 people. And me and my team from Singapore was like, this is a recipe for disaster. Uh, boarded the flight that night, landed in Singapore, saw the announcement, all our centers, where our centers are, Philippines shut down, Guatemala shut down, mm -hmm. uh, 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 Malaysia shut down. And you are now stuck in a situation where you can't get your people to work. And that was day one when pandemic happened. Immediate reaction when you heard the news that 
these places have shut down, what went through your head immediately? Uh, the, 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 two things went through my mind. First was the safety and security of all our employees, because that comes first, and their families. Second was how can we ensure that we provide the service to our customers with the least amount of disruption possible. So those were the two things that came to my mind. And you were already thinking of how to do that, how to execute these this, uh, plans. So, very good question, Mark. We built Everize on two fundamental pillars. One, and the most important, is our people. So our investment in global mm. leadership, our investment in leaders across the world who can think global but act local. And the other biggest investment that we made was technology. So we already, before the pandemic hit, we were probably the only company that had already moved most of our stuff to the cloud, data to the cloud. We had Pioneer, and that's why our partnership with Microsoft, they had launched Azure, uh, a partnership with a lot of other partners. Uh, and, and you know, so when that happened, uh, I had a framework in mind that, listen, we could pivot this without causing minimal dis disruption. disruption. I mean, disruption was going to happen, yeah. right? But, but how could we limit that? And that's what came to my mind. What were the next steps? The next steps were simple. We, as soon as we landed, we, send up, uh, we set up a, a, a command center or a knock uh, where all the leaders were involved uh, and we would have calls three times a, a day. The first thing obviously was that how to get everyone to work from home. Okay? Now, today that's a very, very easy concept because everyone's worked from home for yes. the last two years. Before yes. the pa and by the way, please understand in our industry, you know, especially in healthcare that we work in, we deal with very sensitive information. Correct. That is the reason why you need people, our employees to come to office. Which may be compromised if they started working from home. Exactly. So security, compliance is a huge, huge issue. And, and technology as well. I mean, home technology is different from uh, workplace technology, I imagine. Uh, no longer now. Okay. Two and a half years back, absolutely. So we had to work with multiple partners to create that security. Hmm. So we had to, so the first step was how do we even get 12,000 computers to people's homes when a city <laughs> is locked down? Think about it. Yeah. And I'll tell you stories, and again, this goes back to the leadership that we had, or we still have in all our countries. Our leaders in each of the countries, so they used to relax the curfew, and I talk about Manila specifically, for four to five hours a day. They would load computers in the back of their cars and their vans and drive around and drop the, the, the equipment to people's to homes. To individual homes. Yeah. So we did that in the first few days. And what was the volume of this uh, drop-offs? Uh, about 12,000 <coughs> globally. I'm sure you're familiar with Manila traffic. Oh, which there was no traffic. East. Yes. <laughs> but, but that was only the first part. Now that you've got the PC, again, because of our investments in technology, we were able to protect the data from a cloud point of view. Mm. But 
in countries like Guatemala and Philippines, uh, you know, these are developing countries. People don't have an office in their home. They, I mean, an average household would have six to eight people staying together. Now, you need peace. You need, you know, you need, you need calmness yeah, of to yeah, talk yeah. to somebody because you can't have background noise. It's how do you create that? Number one. You'll be talking to clients and there will be... And there will be people and they are, it's their home. noise. Exactly. Right? So we then created micro sites. So we then went, said, okay. So a lot of people said we can work from home. We can have a secure workplace. Great. For people that did not have secure workplace, we went to, and this is where Airbnb became very useful. We went to and saw Airbnb homes that had 10 rooms, 20 rooms and took it over. Ah. And we enabled them as an office. As an office. Said, okay, you know what? And this was within a kilometer from where the individual stayed. So people could come there, work, go back. In certain cases, we had people who actually stayed there for months. We put in, you know, a chef there, put in someone to clean. And that's the way we work. So it was like a satellite office <laughs> satellite closer office. to their homes. We call it the microsite. Yeah. Mm. And now that's become a... Uh, you know, we actually setting up multiple microsites uh, across the world. Now, your your, your data uh, were in cl on cloud, and uh, there is security, ample security. But connection in places like Guatemala and and Manila, I think at best would be patchy. So uh, that was just I was just going to come to that second point okay. is that because they are developing countries, there is no infrastructure. That's right. So. Okay, now you've given them the PC, but how do they connect to the cloud? And I don't think you will be providing that. Well, at the end, it's my responsibility to ensure that I enable my teams to service. So what did we do? In Philippines, we went and bought out 5,000 dongles. What is a dongle? A dongle is a small device. Mm -hmm. Call it like a, a, like a Wi-Fi phone. Okay, so that's portable. It's portable. It's like a small thing. So for you, that basically you can connect to the cloud. But the other thing is it had to be connected on very low speeds because these dongles are not, they don't work on 10 Mbps or 20 Mbps. They'll probably work at 1 Mbps best. So okay. we had to work with telecom partners to mm. get that connectivity established globally. Mm. So once we overcame with these two, you know, we got back up. And for us, to get our entire workforce up and running took us uh, about 21 to 22 days globally, which I think was probably we were the leaders in our space globally. Some companies took six months. Yeah, yeah, I can I can imagine that's uh, pretty pretty good. It was okay. I think I think the team did a really good job. I mean, again, we were only able to do that because we had been making investments for the last few years. You know, you can't just do this suddenly. A lot of companies went belly up. I can imagine. But I'm hearing that there's collaboration with local uh, service providers, telecommunication. But how much in the end did you have to put in to transfer the technology and, and create the microsites? Are you talking in terms of investments? Yes. At that point, it doesn't matter. Mm. It uh, You know, that was one time where Whatever investments we made, we had to make. Uh, uh, you know, luckily, I've been very fortunate enough to have 
you know financial partners uh, mm. you know who who never stopped me and yeah we made significant let's go it was many many millions of dollars right but it doesn't matter it didn't matter because uh, you know we had to get our teams up and running right and and that's what it was it, it was just an investment that we had to do which paid off later was it a smooth uh, transition uh, it's up and running now and uh, what, what did you have to provide new training or another set of uh, some protocols or what did they have to learn working I, on microsites and at home so firstly one thing that the pandemic did was it turned the world upside down you could have never had experience of what that is going to be like so every day was a new day everything was unprecedented how do you recruit without meeting people yes you said to hire how do you interview them how do you hire them how do you do the background checks how do you train them how do you monitor them how do you provide them support mm-hmm. how do you make sure the health and wellness is taken care of very easy in the office right you can you can have a nurse you can have a doctor but now you have people at homes mental health became a very important subject it still is how do you deal with that uh people were tired of working from home you know big people uh, and globally this is this was become a problem where because they could not balance work and life because suddenly because your work and life became the same you're now working you're working from home so you wake up and you start working that's not the way to balance work life balance so we ran multiple training programs uh on how to balance work life uh, we did virtually a lot of sessions even at the leadership team where i mandated that they have to take their time off and you had to roll it out very quickly listen uh you cannot waste time planning you plan you roll it out mm. you 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 fail in a few you learn and you do it again right but we had to put processes and systems that work but at the end of the day that's what differentiated us and that's what got us the mega growth to be honest that we are now also experiencing uh because you know we were there for our partners mm. uh for our employees again both in philippines and guatemala we were the ones who provided them the vaccines you provided vaccines because the government said sorry we can't do anything mm. so we together in our industry went and lobbied with the government to say listen we can't buy the vaccines you have to transport the vaccines because it has to be done at a certain temperature you have to get them to our office our offices became vaccination centers and and we agreed with them that a x percentage of a daily based on of vaccines would go to our employees that's how we vaccinate amazing. and their family amazing yeah. and that's how we that's how we vaccinated all our employees in these countries uh, and their families and we did that at free of cost the world needs better leaders become one at ypo for over 70 years ypo built a trusted community where chief executives connect to solve both personal and professional problems together when we return sudhir and i will discuss how the company culture at everrise facilitated the implementation of change 
and how the difficult situation offered them exciting opportunities to examine staffing, employee well-being, and the workplace of the future under a new light.